Welcome to More Than A Game. My name is Tommy C and I'm joined this week by OG More Than A Game member, George. Welcome back, mate. Great to have Tommy, you back on the pod. It's, it's, it's fantastic to be back. Um, as I was saying to you earlier, the, the day before the pubs reopened in London. So this may be the last time you see me for a while or, you know, I, I may be just doing my, my own little quarantine after after this week because uh, we, have, we have a standing booking at 12.30 tomorrow at, the, at a local um, <laughs> So, <laughs> mate, are you going to look more or less dishevelled tomorrow than today? Well, the hairdress is open. Uh, I, I can't get a booking, so I'll probably probably be more, um, if if you can believe it. So, <laughs> very good. Well, mate, look, plenty of football to talk about. So uh, let's hook in uh, straight away into the Premier League. Fernandez, Greenwood. Here's Cavani! Manchester United have the lead! He thrust himself in like he meant it. They've turned another one round. Well, we have been treated to some magnificent team goals here today, but this one tops the lot. That is an absolutely outstanding piece of play by Manchester United. You and I, uh, we, we've just watched Tottenham versus Man United, and for once it was a big game that uh, had two big teams and it actually served up a good game of football as far as I was concerned. Uh, mate, what did you make of this one? Yeah, I thought um, especially the, the, the last 10 minutes of the first half and then the, the, the second half were, were great viewing. But I, I, but I think, I think it, was, it was to do with Man U playing, playing well and, and Spurs not necessarily playing well. But the, the, the decision, um, if you want to talk about the, the first goal that was disallowed from Cavani, which was some some really nice build-up play, and uh, McTominay flicking maybe Son's ear or face or or something, but it was, he, he poked him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, he he threw an elbow into his head. Son went down looking concussed, and and it was ma- maybe maybe a fingernail in it, and it, it actually spoiled quite quite a good goal with with McTominay, I think, to uh, Pogba, and then Pogba to Cavani, uh, and Cavani with a really really good finish and. And they'd been pretty quiet in the first half, and then they did that. Um, scored it really the goal. spurred the game. It really yeah. spurred the game into life after that. Spurred Son, who who ends up <laughs> they end up taking the ball down the other end and and, and scoring from a, a Mura cutback, and and then it really seemed to spark Man U, which which is probably bad for Tottenham. That, that they should have they should have just taken. Oh, that, yeah, the, yeah. It was it was a really really exciting end to the first half, and and all the pundits here. I think it was. Um, yeah, Roy Keane and Mika Richards were, were going absolutely nuts, um, as you would expect. You know, VAR ruining the game, and 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 the, the funny thing was, the referee went and had a look. Like the the VAR guy said, "Have a look." Everyone, I, I can't believe anyone would call that a free kick, and especially if you watched it again and again, because he he saw it live, and then he watched it on the screen, and then for some reason disallowed a goal for it, which was, was absolutely crazy. 
So, so we had Paul Ince here in the in the studio at halftime in Australia on the on the Premier League feed, and he he was pretty uh, he was pretty certain that it was a um, a free kick and that the referee made the right decision in disallowing the goal. And uh, I mean, like oh, can it's, I ask um, you if Son if Son hadn't gone down, would would it have been a free kick? He absolutely milked it for all it was worth. Ooh, that is a tough one because, well, and, and I think that's a good point is that I think if he if he sort of Slaps him in the face. Uh, sorry, slaps him in the chest. I, I suspect that he he probably wouldn't get a free kick for that, even if he goes down in the same way. But because he he got like sort of a finger to the face or or to the Flicked eye him. or whatever Flicked it was. Him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I reckon he. I, I think that's sort of almost more more foul worthy then. But um, yeah, mate. I don't know. Like for me, I think it is a foul. Oh no! I can't, I'm not having that. I can't have that. I think I, I, I don't want to defend Man U. I don't want to feel sorry for Man U, but it made me feel sorry for them. And you you shared that um, that photo of um, what's his name, the assistant coach, um, Mike Phelan. Yeah, Mike Phelan, absolutely looking to the sky, and, and Solskjaer, even Solskjaer went nuts, which is which is you know very very rare rare thing. That so, that is yeah. saying that is saying something, isn't it? That Solskjaer just lost his shit, right? Because the yeah. man, I mean, the man's ice cold. Mate, it would it would happen a million times a game. Like that, that's he, he put his hand out just just to get a feeler, and um, yeah, there he go. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad Arrowhead's 18s absolutely firing shots at you because uh, <laughs> I don't know, mate. You've been wrapped up in cotton wool too long where you are, Tommy. <laughs> but um, it actually, and then and then just to, just to move on from that, so Spurs score the score the um the goal gets them to half time, and then. Man, you come out absolutely steaming and just putting the pressure on, um, and and Spurs sort of sat back and kind of invited it and didn't do much, and, and then I think I think um, and then sort of well, it was it was classic Jose, wasn't it? Like to get a one 0 lead, and they looked like sort of for a while they were going to hold on to it, and then yeah, then Man United equalised, and you sort of felt that they're really just still holding on for a, for the draw, for draw now. Yeah. It, and and you always felt like um, this Man United team they've demonstrated many times throughout the season that that just every week they're they're going to play terribly for the first sixty minutes and then just turn it on uh, in the final thirty minutes and they did it again here and I mean in the end it turned out to be a three one uh, convincing yeah. win but um, it, it wasn't really for the first seventy odd minutes. Yeah, but I thought I thought Cavani was excellent. Pogba was really good, and it was interesting because Cavani and Pogba were sort of playing as the forwards with was it Rashford and um and the commentators were saying at the start of the game that they're not going to have any pace and um you know they're going to struggle and and I thought they were actually pretty, yeah I thought they were actually pretty good and and um and uh, Cavani yeah put put that put that in the bank with that header I mean he missed one earlier which which was sort of a tougher tougher pie ball but that. Put put it on a plate like that for him. He's going to drill it, and uh, and uh, and then um, who was it? Greenwood in the end getting the third. But yeah, Spurs yeah. Spurs did Spurs did have that one chance. I think it was um, off the post from Cavani. I think when he tried to clear it. Um, yeah, Cavani was just doing everything. Yeah, yeah, he was he was in everything. <laughs> at but, both um, ends. Yeah, at both ends exactly. So I think man, you actually need him, and I think he's 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 because he was he's been in and out and injured it a little bit. When he's played, he's he's been pretty good, and and they don't really have a number nine like him in their team. So um, he whether- he's been incredible for them, and it's been a real shame that he he has been injured because um who knows how Man United season could have gone with with him playing probably another ten extra games and maybe contributing an extra ten goals. Maybe, yeah, and maybe if they had Cavani, 
maybe if they had Cavani on for the first 30 minutes of a game, then they might actually be ahead and be playing better football yeah, than instead uh, of having what, him what come they on in the last 30. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it takes exactly. the pressure off um, Rashford and, and Greenwood. And I think he's he's a lot better than Martial. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, so. let, let's face it, there's a lot of footballers at the moment that are better than Martial. Anyway, well, yeah, I think he wants, he doesn't want to stay. So, it'll, it'll, yeah, I think if. Wait, there, there was Cavani some, or Martial? No, uh, Cavani. I think he, he's he's looking to leave from from all reports, but um, yeah, they, they should try and hold on to him, especially if they can't get a world class replacement. Well, and let's face it, I, I guess they've got Rashford. Like, I don't think they want a like a, a world class replacement, like unless they can get Haaland, which let's face it, they they can't. And so they'd be better off holding on to I think Cavani for another year, maybe even two, uh, and letting Greenwood, I guess, uh, continue develop. to develop in my opinion. Unless they can, unless they can get Harry Kane. Well, mate, that's a very Start good segue. Mill, because... Start it up. <laughs> well, let, let's face it, because uh, um, Spurs' season is finished, right? Like they're out of Europa League. Uh, they've got the League Cup to come, and I think that's really all they've got left because they're not making Champions League. They could still qualify for Europa League through the through the league, but pretty much their season's finished. No one cares about the League Cup yeah, other than I mean... like 10 pot. Uh, Tinpot clubs. So, like Kane, like there's been nonstop rumors all week that Kane is going to be going, uh, that he's going to be leaving Spurs at the end of the season if they don't qualify for the Champions League. This is this is I mean, like this, they're um, not catching. They're not catching West Ham, mate, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. But even if they, even if West Ham do drop off, then it's going to be Chelsea or Liverpool that are going to catch the fourth fourth spot. So. It's yeah, definitely no. not Spurs in the form that they're in. But and then, um, and, and, and just that they. Their spirit, they've got no, just they just don't seem with it. Lloris could have made a couple of well, he made a couple of saves today, but he also let in one he should have should have should have saved. And I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And and it's been like this for a while. So, hundred percent. And today was a good example of a game where they Spurs probably needed to capitalize on on that early momentum and try and get a second and even a third. But they just they really went into their shells. Which is um, what they did but, against Newcastle last week as well. Well, I mean, they he, d- didn't put, put their chances away when they were dominating, and then Newcastle came back to to haunt. So, yeah, it. it I don't know unless Jose's going to they're going to give him another they're going to give him a blank check checkbook and just be like, go for it, mate. Top up this squad because it, I don't know what he can do with it. Uh, well, they might have this. another. They might have another sixty million with uh, with Harry Kane. Uh, his departure at the end of this season. But look, I, I've got to say that this this need reminds more than sixty million to to sort that one out. Well, you never know, mate. Because I mean, Harry Kane could say, "No, I don't want to be here. I want out." And I mean, that would be like a terrible situation for Spurs to be in. But like this, this just smacks of sort of around like Wenger era um, yeah. Arsenal, where that they would lose. Now. Yeah, exactly. Where like they would lose a player who who just wanted to win a Premier League title, whether it was Van Persie or that. Remember that had um, Nasri and Sanya, and yeah. was uh, there was another, all. yeah, and another another fullback who went to City, and they just lost. Clichy. Like it's it's a, yeah, Clichy and and um, I think it was Bakary Sanya, wasn't it? Yeah, and it just seemed like they were they were losing a player like every season. Two, two or three, sometimes even a season to City, and they would go on and just kill yeah. it. But this and would be this is comparable. This is comparable to the Van Persie sort of move if, if he went because because exactly. he basically one man knew the title the next year. So 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a there's a, a perfect Harry Kane-sized hole at City right now with Aguero sort of moving on. And they've already said, oh, yeah, we're not going to go out and spend big money on a striker. Well, yeah, they can't um, afford Haaland. All right. Yeah. Well, let's face it. They can't afford Haaland, but they can probably afford uh, Kane if Kane says, I'm done, I'm out, or I'm, or I'm going to leave on a free or just basically... S- sulk on the bench for for 12 months or something like well, the, that. The, I'm not... the, 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 thing, the lucky thing for Spurs is they're basically, when the season's done, Kane goes to the Euros. So he doesn't have a lot of thinking time. If, like, and mm. then the season's, and, and the, the it's so congested, the fixture list. You know, he's not going to have a, a full summer to sit on the beach and think about what he's going to do and and also the, the COVID stuff. So I, I think there won't be any crowds in the Premier League this season. Uh, there might be some in the FA Cup or, or something or but so mm. you know, revenue revenue stuff's going to play a part as, as well. So we'll see. We'll see. It's a anyway, it's a good point. Fuck Spurs. Transfers. Fuck Spurs. <laughs> They're a bit depressing to watch. I've got to say, you know, it's just you, you want them to play that. You want them to be shredding teams and and playing that sort of exciting football. But it's just not not catching on. Yeah, it's good point. Um, mate, let's move on though to to my beloved West Ham. They uh, put on an incredibly bipolar performance uh, again, where they absolutely shredded uh, Leicester for probably sixty five minutes, yeah, seventy minutes, and then, yeah, and and then absolutely shut the bed as soon as they conceded one. They just looked like they were going to concede about four or five more. They just were completely t- uh, unable to then put a couple of passes together, play out of defence, or or even string together an attack, and it just seemed like. They're two separate teams. As soon as they concede, they like I say, they look like conceding about another four or five after that. Um, amazing that they've uh, uh, managed to, I guess, get three nil up against um, Leicester and Arsenal in a, not consecutive, um, consecutive weeks, but what is that in three weeks, and and then managed to go on and concede five goals unanswered, sort of in the in the meantime, which is incredibly frustrating. But um, mate, so have uh, you have you seen the stat? Uh, for for Jesse Jesse Lingard, like his I goals. think he sc- he scored the most goals in the Premier League since he signed for um, West Ham. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm trying to pull it up now. Let me see if I can get it up. Yeah. Goal involvement. So he he's just he's he's one under Harry Kane. Unless unless this was yesterday. So I don't know if this has been Wait, up, is it, up to date. Is is that for the whole season? No, no. Since or he just joined. since January. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I so yeah. He might so now, now like with, his, with his with his two goals, he's now scored the most. So he's scored eight since he joined. Which I thought. Harry I mean, Kane. I, I thought he might have been a, a decent shout to to win the Golden Boot in the Premier League. But yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's probably a little bit of a bridge too far. And he did. <laughs> and that first goal he scored was absolutely cracking. The one where he bent it round. Um, it was an defender. absolute peach. In in fact, it was one of those ones where you go, nah, he hasn't scored from there. And you think you look a little bit closer and then on the replay, you're like, hang on, no, he snuck that in. And, yeah, and it, he was, it, it was really unexpected. Mate, yeah, he, so, he means them all. There was a, I just, I, when I was trying to pull up that stat, there was, um, there was I think it was an article on The Sun that said, you know, man, you don't need Harry Kane. They've got Jesse Wingard. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> How are West Ham going to pay for him? You've got to tell him to stop. Tell him to start start playing shit. Well, that's a good point. And like, I'm, I mean, we're going to be in a similar position, I guess, to City, where we're going to be relying on uh, um, Jesse Lingard and, and Harry Kane, respectively, putting in transfer requests so that uh, the other clubs can afford them. 
Well, I think there was some talk about fifty to sixty million the other day for for Jesse Lingard, which is uh, yeah, uh, incredible well, if if you if you said that at the start of the season. Maybe be, be incredible if you could have said that like about three three months ago. But um, I think uh, the ultimate compliment really is that I suspect Daniel Levy, when he goes in for um, negotiations with with City, he's going to be saying. Look, City, uh, I know you've got uh, deep pockets, but you're going to be looking at Jesse Lingard type money for Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah, <laughs> the best, best, most, most informed player in the world. It's, it's pretty incredible. And then, um, yeah, so they 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 they've got the three, and then Bowen scored that nice one as well. And then and then Kalechi stepping up again. But I, I think I just thought Leicester's defense was was so susceptible to the, the balls over the top, and it was yeah, just like uh, um. Uh, the the centre back, um, what's his name? The guy from Man U, Fafana. No, uh, not the other. Um, the other guy. Hang on, let me pull it up. From, um, from Leicester. Leicester, Leicester. For, oh, um, Johnny, Johnny Evans. Evans. Yeah, he just looked a bit slow on a few occasions, and and uh, yeah, there you go. I forgot his name. My bad. But. Well, that was that was probably one reason why he got let go a couple of years ago from uh, from Man United because he, he has been pretty slow for a while now, but. Uh, I guess it was a it was a strange game in the sense that like uh, Fafana got booked I think pretty early on and and probably could have gotten a second yellow card as well. So um, uh, I think in Didi as well he, he probably there was a, a decent shout for him to be sent off as well. So uh, I think in some ways Leicester were pretty lucky not to have um, not to have probably lost a little bit more convincingly than than what they actually did in the end. And if, but, uh, but then then you had Fabianzi making it. Of big saves and then that one and Pereira the the one on one there so that I mean yeah that's true that's true but uh, like in the first half there I think there was there was one with uh, uh, Sufal Kufal where like he he took one extra touch too many and it would have put it uh, basically on a plate for for Lingard as well so I don't know man pretty pretty frustrating performance but do you think um do you think this is a case of Leicester getting the death wobbles again? Are they a, a chance to miss out on the Champions League again? Yes, yes they are because I mean they're only four, they're two points ahead of Chelsea and four points ahead of Liverpool and then you've got Spurs a couple of points behind them. So I think I think that it, yeah there's anyone any any sort of two of those four can can make the top four. So and I think yeah I just yeah I'm not convinced by Leicester's form. I don't know they're, they're sort of a bit Jekyll and Hyde and uh, West Ham are, are similar, but their, their form trajectory has been pretty good in the in the last. Well, I, I guess the thing for West Ham now is they're through this really challenging period of fixtures where they've played Leicester, Arsenal, uh, uh, who else have they played? Liverpool um, and Wolves, all in this sort of six game run. Remember that they started off the season with, and. Um, now I guess the the challenge is is that okay um, you've got through like these really difficult games now there's a uh, a whole bunch of games that you're expected to win um, now go on and win them and I, I guess really the um, the the ball is in West Ham's court like uh, if it weren't for the injuries I would almost argue that they would be favourites for so in the Champions League now but I've, with with so many injuries I think I've just it's pulled up really I've just be pulled difficult. up um, Leicester, Leicester's fixture list and um, yep. so. They're in the FA Cup semi-finals, so I think they're playing next weekend. Then they've got yep. um, they've got West Brom, Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, and then their last few games are Man U, Chelsea, and Tottenham. So if 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 they win those sort of three, the, the three uh, 
against the lower sides of Southampton, then that, they might set themselves up because they don't want to be going into those last three games, you know, needing points because, well, maybe the Man U game, they might not care, but the, the Chelsea and Tottenham will definitely need points. So, um, well, yeah, and I, I guess Man United could still be still be in the Europa League by that stage, and they they could have sort of um, shored up like second place, and so they might be thinking, oh, yeah. well, let's just go and win a trophy, kind of thing. They're seven points ahead of um, they're seven points ahead of uh, Leicester at the moment, so um, that's, a, yeah. that's a solid buffer. So I think um, really West Ham's big game now until the remainder of the season, um, uh, other than. Chelsea, I think they're all very winnable games. So, so it's looking like that. Um, I think West Ham play Chelsea. I think it's in two weeks' time, or maybe three weeks' time, and that's looking like that. That could turn out to almost, that. That could almost be like a, a playoff for uh, fourth place at uh, I guess at this rate, which or or third place, depending on which way you want to look at it. But yeah, so, so um, West West Ham going to be a real cracker of a game. Yeah, definitely. So West Ham have got Chelsea on. So they've got. Uh, Newcastle on the weekend, then Chelsea. Then they've got a pretty good run of Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton. So, um, yeah, it's theirs to lose. The, the exciting thing is is that every team that's in this top four run is going to be dropping points. There, there is not one team that is going to win the next seven games in a row because it, just none of those teams, I don't think, have the consistency to be able to do it. And and even Chelsea, I mean, they, they were probably favourites for that fourth spot maybe a few weeks ago, but then they just go and get absolutely tonked by, by West Brom and everyone just goes, pretty much just throws the form back, uh, book out the window. So, yeah. um, very, very exciting times. But... um. Um, there was one other game that was played this afternoon, um, and that was Burnley hosted Newcastle. Newcastle pulling out uh, pretty much a win out of the bag. I remember I switched this on just as I finished work, and um, Newcastle scored and equalised. I went, oh, yeah, good for Newcastle, and then they scored again. And I was like, oh, this is a strange feeling because it feels like um, Newcastle have been, are winning 2-0 and were winning the whole time that I was watching. So. Um, good result for Newcastle. Very um, good result. So just, just, just it puts them now um, uh, six points uh, up, up on Fulham with, with also a game in hand. So um, it's a pretty important win. And, and the, the last two weeks where they've collected, you know, those four points, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going to be tough for Fulham, who, who were, yeah, as two games back on Brighton and, and, and sort of one game over. Um, sorry, well, they, they've played two games more than Brighton. And one game more than Newcastle, and and not to focus on uh, sorry to not focus on Newcastle too much, but Fulham. I mean, it didn't feel like that long ago that we were saying that Fulham that felt like they're in a decent run of form and that like they were still a chance to escape relegation, but they've now lost four in a row and like Newcastle have sort of sneaked snuck away on them a little bit. Like you say, they're six points yeah. clear of them now, and and Brighton as really... well who have been picking up those those wins that they weren't picking up in the first half of the season. So exactly, uh, so St Maximum coming back as well has made a big difference. Yeah, man, because I, I think he uh, he came on for the last sort of forty minutes of the game, didn't he? And and he was really the game changer for for Newcastle. Um. But there was uh, look right. a, a couple of a couple of pretty exciting fixtures that that happened yesterday too. Probably the uh, the main one was the early one, which was Manchester City hosting Leeds. Um, which look you, to call this, uh, I guess, a keenly anticipated match probably uh, mis under uh, underestimates the uh, I guess the the respect that Bielsa and Pep have for one another. But also, do you remember this game, the reverse fixture earlier on in the season? 
Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't remember the score. I think I think City won. I think it was two one. But it, honestly, it felt like a basketball game because it was end to end and there was no midfield. And Leeds kind of made a mockery of Pep's sort of overstructured approach to the game, and it was incredibly exciting to watch. And it was pretty much the same here as well. This was a really exciting game to watch. But um, and with ten men for a. For the second half, basically. Well, so. I was just just going to say, yeah. So, so Stuart Dallas, he took the lead uh, on the forty-first minute for for Leeds, um, off a uh, like a really really great shot from the inside of the post. Um, but then just two minutes later, uh, Liam Cooper was sent off for, for Leeds with for a straight red. Um, similar tackle, I think it was Creswell who got sent off for something similar like this earlier on in the season. And I think there was one other where, like, it's all ball. They collect the ball and then pretty much studs up and just go straight through the player. And um, yeah pretty disappointing I guess uh, for, for Liam Cooper because at that point you were sort of thinking oh, yeah, there's no way that that um, Leeds can hold on to to a one nil lead for what is it an hour against um, against the table toppers but um, they managed to hold on what was it 35 minutes until uh, Ferran Torres he he scored from a Bilver cutback and at that point you were thinking oh well look they've they've tried hard and and even if um, City do only have uh, sort of a, a bit of a second string side out there with like Ake started and Zinchenko played in midfield and um, Benjamin Mendy played at fullback. Um, you, you still got a sense that, yeah, this um, City are still going to uh, get the winner. And as it turned out, there was a bit of a surprise finish to the game with um, none other than Stuart Dallas just kind of like what felt like he just sort of ran the length of the field, sort of Son-esque from I think it was two years ago and um, just – really strong running and ended up finishing through Edison's legs for um, a pretty unexpected uh, result for, from everyone. I think I'm not sure if you caught this, but um, I'm a fan, like I'm a member of one of the, I think it's the Leeds Australia football fans uh, group on Facebook and they went absolutely berserk. There was about a hundred people in this pub over in, um, in Perth and man, it, it looked like the place to be in the world. It was honestly, looks like so much fun. And I was so jealous of all of those people that were going nuts for their football team in a pub. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> jealous, mate. Very jealous of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, you, you legit look very jealous. You look real sad <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, uh, anything that uh, that you liked out of this game or didn't like? No, no, I, I, I do actually remember the, the the first leg. Now you mentioned it, and and it was pretty exciting. And, and I thought Leeds were hard done by in that in that first first round um, match up. So, no, well done to Leeds for, for getting the win. And 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 um, yes, yeah, City just just sl- slightly sort of with a bit of a hangover from the, from the Champions League, I guess. Mate, do you think this is sort of the beginning of City's story to um, win the league in a canner and then lose all of the cups that have finished to the season that they've now seemed to have almost well, trademarked? They're not going to make the quadruple. They're not going to get the quadruple. Well, uh, let's face it. They're, they're going to win the they're going to win the league cup against um, Spurs in. Uh, I don't even know when that is. It's got to be a, can't be too far away. But nah, let's true, face yeah. it. They're, they're not going to win the Champions League. They're going to get knocked out by I don't know Porto in the semi-finals. And um, yeah, it's just it's going to be a nightmare and Pep's just going to uh, Aguero is going to be playing until he's 50 because he remember he promised that he would play uh, I mean, I don't, until think, he I, don't, I don't think he's going to be there next year but yeah <laughs> well, it's a, even even Aguero has given up on it 
Sorry, mate. What else? Uh, Liverpool also hosted Aston Villa in a rematch of remember that wild, wild game from yeah. way back when, um, when Aston Villa won seven two against Liverpool against the defending champions. That seems like that, that seems just like a bad dream. Um, but Aston Villa took the lead. Um, Liverpool then went on and equalised, and then got a late winner through Trent Alexander Arnold as well. Who no, played like no, dog Liverpool. shit? Who played like dog shit the whole game, and then he pulled that out. So. Well, yeah. I've got to say, like the the commentators at the end of the game, I only called the the post match for this because I was watching the Matildas game. But in the in the post match for this, they were absolutely gassing Trent Alexander Arnold, saying, "Oh, let's see what happens. Like when you leave him out of the England squad, uh, yeah, oh, he like he, bad. he's the he's the best fullback in the world." And I honestly thought, "Oh, geez, like he's got the winner. He must have played well for that sort of a reaction." But mate, yeah. judging from you, like I don't know, and 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 his Champions League game as well during the week, you know that Real Madrid were targeting him that. The whole week, the whole game. Well, we we will get to the Champions League in a moment, though. But um, and and that's uh, that's a very good point. We shall come back to that in a minute, though. Um, but mate, before we do, we're gonna um tick over your beloved Chelsea. They uh, they were red hot against a pretty crummy Crystal Palace side, weren't they? Yeah. So two goals in the first ten minutes, uh, pretty much ended the game. Um. I had a mate over watching it as a Palace fan, and he was he was pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty quiet. So, um, yeah, it was um, yeah, good performance. That's pretty cruel, though. That's pretty yeah. cruel. Like Palace are like they're on the beach already, man. Like yeah, and you invite your mate over to watch his team get spanked. All right, yeah, I'll take I'll take it. I'll take. It. I think the the only interesting thing I would say from from this game was um, the the front three. So he he played Pulisic out wide on the left. Kai Havertz is a number nine or false nine and, and mount out sort of wide on the right. And it looked like it worked pretty well. So um, it worked really well. Cause there were a couple of things that really stood out for me and it was um, Mason Mount. I thought looked really good. Lots of space for him and lots of freedom for him to move around. But I thought habits, I really like him as a false nine. I think that's got to be the way uh, moving forward for Chelsea. Yeah. I think he just, he missed a fair few chances. So I think, but like he still scored the important one, and and I think if his finishing gets better, then yeah, it's it's it, it looked good, and, and Pulisic is looking really fit and and dangerous as well. So I think he's he's played himself back into form. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, when when Timo Werner doesn't play, we we look we look like we're going to score a few goals. So yeah, yeah. I, I think patience with him. I think Tuchel's actually running out of patience with him. So well, um, do you think he's running out of patience, or do you think this is just a little bit of tough love? No, I think he's 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 yeah he, he he's missed he's missed a lot of chances. So um, we yeah it's it's going to cost us in 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 and it has cost us in a lot of games. So um, if you've got Pulisic and Mount who are you know genuine goal threats and and Habits is chipping in, then you know between him and him and Giroud coming coming in to support him, then yeah, it could be the way to go. Interesting. Um... That was uh, after watching Chelsea just sort of fall apart uh, last week against West Brom. This this was a genuinely impressive match, though, uh, and performance from Chelsea. And it, I think it was only about two weeks ago that I was saying that I think they're a, a really good chance to be um, uh, to go through and, and win the Champions League. And and based off of that performance and and their defensive solidity outside of the West Brom game, <laughs> let's not talk um, about like let, let's not talk about winning the Champions League after spanking Palace. Though I think. Uh... I think we'll just hold our horses a bit because, yeah, but, I, I, I was saying like, yeah, defensively they, they look pretty good. But then, you know, against a, a decent team, can can they can they score? You know, can they score enough to to, to win the game? 
Um, well, I guess that's that's the thing because like in all of the big games you've had um, Vern on and Vern has been trash. So if you take Vern out of that team and and play them in like a big match in like a Champions League semi final, are they, are they going to be fine? If if you're bringing on Cavani, um, Cavani, if you're bringing on bring on Cavani, um, yes, I like that. <laughs> like that. If you if you're bringing on um, Verna for like the last twenty minutes when you're up one nil and you're playing on the on the counter, like that, that's a perfect scenario. So so maybe yeah. that is sort of the way forward for for Chelsea. Yeah, um, and, and I think it, that that that's really depend. Habits needs to play like he did against Palace because a, a couple of times he's played there and he's been pretty. And it's not been his fault a lot of the time. A lot of the time it's been just some of the build-up play hasn't suited him. But if, if they can get him involved, get him dropping in pockets and, and finding him, then, then yeah, that could be the way, way forward. But I'm just putting a, keeping, keeping the lid firmly firmly screwed on very tightly, very tightly. So <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not going to uh, – yeah, we've been burned too many times this year. So let's just let's keep the lid on it. Mate, you guys have pretty much been at a. You've pretty much been in the burns ward for, for this season. The number of times you've been burnt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, already, mate. Uh, one other game has already been played this Premier League round, and that was uh, Friday night. Fulham hosted Wolves. Uh, pretty more eventful game. Besides, pretty much, let's face it, a bullshit offside goal for for Wolves that was disallowed, um, and then uh, Adama Traore uh, rediscovering his shooting boots, and uh, pretty much, let's face it, scoring a screamer for for uh, for Wolves to break Fulham hearts. Been waiting very, all very year for on. this. I've been waiting all year for him to do this. It's just he's been due. He's been here. It happened that happened against Fulham, but um, yeah, not not a, not a, not a, not a not a highlight game, really. Not not um, not one for the ages. Very quickly, mate. We will uh, we'll whip through a couple of predictions as well. Uh, Sheffield United are hosting Arsenal. Uh, who's your pick for the winner there? Do you see yeah. anything other than an Arsenal win? He, he, I no, I never know what to expect from an Arsenal play. Like, I really have no idea. Like, sometimes they play really well. Just. Oh, let me just, uh, yeah, they, they've had some injuries as well. I'm just pulling up the uh, the lineup. This is um, sort of like the the opposite of that line out of uh, the Dark Knight, like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. This is like yeah. the team that can't score versus the team that can't defend. Yeah, I mean, Saka's back, which is which is big, as is Martinelli, and they're playing. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I think Arsenal uh, Arsenal should technically on paper Arsenal should win, but I you know I wouldn't. Wouldn't bet, uh, wouldn't bet two dollars on it. That's how. That's how. That's the lack of confidence I have in Arsenal. I'm going to say two two. How about that? Fuck it. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm just impressed that you think that Sheffield United are going to score two goals. I mean, shackles are off. Just, unless they're two David Luiz McGoldrick or something. McGoldrick. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, West Brom hosting Southampton. You got a. You got a pick for a result there. Oh, I, I mean, I couldn't be less interested in this game, Tommy. I'll tell you, it's, it's such a nothing game. Mate, let's move on then. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say that match was abandoned midway through due to lack of interest. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Just give them both a nil all and let's move on. Mate. A game with far more riding on it is Brighton hosting Everton. Uh, Everton still somehow managed, uh, still somehow have a game in hand uh, for the remainder of the season. Still, um, so uh, this isn't their game in hand, but um, they I think they can jump up to fifth if they win this game and their game in hand. So still plenty riding on this season for Everton. But uh, do you do you think they're going to be able to do the business away at Brighton? Um, I think Brighton still need to. Still need to collect a few points, and I don't think Everton can can do much damage. Even if they win two games, they'll still be behind uh, Chelsea. So 
they'll st- they'll be in sixth. They'll just jump Liverpool. So I, I mean, yeah, I think Brighton. Have, there's more more at stake for Brighton, and Everton are just you know they they've had a decent season, but you know they, they haven't been good enough to challenge that top four, which is where they want to be. So yeah, I th- I'll, I'll give I'll give the points to to Brighton on this one. Very Stay good. Home. Next up, we're going to talk a little bit of Champions League. In uh, midweek, there was four Champions League games that were played. The first re- uh, first legs of the uh, the quarterfinals. Uh, first up was the game that we've already kind of alluded to, which was um, Real Madrid play, uh, hosting uh, Liverpool. Uh, Real Madrid pretty much uh, did some incredible things with uh, uh, targeting the the right fullback position for for Liverpool and really targeting that uh, the position that Trent Alexander Arnold plays in. And uh, George, we were just yes. saying uh, that the Real Madrid really targeted that uh, right fullback position that Trent Alexander Arnold was occupying, or at least in theory was occupying, because he, he didn't do a hell of a lot of uh, quality defending really in that match, did he? Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, Liverpool was sort of found out in that game. I think Real Madrid just even even uh, well even though. Vinicius hasn't hasn't scored too many goals for Raúl, and, and his finishing has been questioned quite a lot. Yeah, he just looked he just looked like um, you know the the player that that you know had been promised for a while, and he was just too good. And Asensio scored a really nice goal as well. And it was just who who was there? Tony Cruz just pinging balls from the midfield with you know a lack of Liverpool press, and it's just just too easy for Raúl. Like they went in expecting a high press pressing game from Liverpool. And quality from Liverpool, and, and they just didn't show in any. You know? well, there's there's a good point you make about Tony Cruz because I think like as soon as there wasn't sort of a big uh, like a really intense press coming, he was just like just licking his lips. And well, you could going, see he didn't he yeah. point. I think he pointed to pointed to where Vinicius should have run in one. And I think one that was the first goal. I think it was, and he just you know you, you give that sort of those sort of midfielders time and space. Um, they're going to kill you, and and they did. And then I, I'm this tie is over. Well, I think it was in like the the more than a game group chat where Colby and Jesse, obviously two Liverpool fans, were. I think it was this game that they were referring to, saying that like a um, an away goal for Liverpool does give them a way back into the tie, but it's it's hard to see Real Madrid coughing up uh, like I guess losing two nil um, away from yeah. home. And Especially with no fans as well, like you're not going to have one of those magic, you know, um, cough sort of driven, um, win, you know, wins. And and I think Raúl are just too professional. Um, uh, they're they're sort of too too tidy, and 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 they'll manage to to get through. As you, I mean, you, if you want another example of it, think about there was a Clasico last night. Um, Real Madrid took the. Took, took the lead in that and and didn't look like they were going to lose, even though Barcelona were, were, were sort of pushing them. And, and they're just they're just clinical with Benzema and 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 those experienced guys. And, and that's why I think I don't think Liverpool will be able to overturn the result. Mate, it made it a very good week for um, for Real Madrid winning the Clasico and uh, getting a three one home first leg in the the Champions League knockout stages uh, done as well. 
Uh, moving on though, Manchester City hosted Dortmund in a real sort of finger-licking good uh, potential fixture um, in this leg. Um, City did the business though, getting uh, the 2-1 win at home. And another game where getting an away goal was really valuable for Dortmund. But similarly, I think it's going to be a real challenge for Dortmund to to either win one nil at home or or, or more um, for them to to qualify. I think um, I think City are going to be too good in the reverse fixture. Um, but having said that, though, I don't They're see City progressing past the next one. Oh, right. Well, yeah, but I, I think Dortmund is still in the tie, and they're really unlucky because I don't, I don't think you saw this, but Jude Bellingham beat. Um, Edison to the ball and, and, and Edison got a free, the VAR free kick and disallowing the goal. Um, so that sort of impacted the tie and then um, Dortmund got one through Rouse and then obviously City got the, the winner through um, Bowden right at the end. So um, they, they feel pretty hard done by, you know, especially with the disallowed goal and then conceding right at the end. But I just think City have got too much quality so that they will probably get, get the job done there. Yeah, I think they'll manage this one uh, through. Uh, next up was Porto uh, against your boys, Chelsea George. Uh, pretty pretty clinical one this one as well for for Chelsea. This was probably the the most straightforward of the four ties, really. Yeah, I, I was um, surprised. I was surprised, but I mean, it, I mean, uh, Porto were, were missing. You know, the, the, the sort of two main goal threats. So, and I think they those guys are Oliveira and you know, the other guys have. Um, Contributed forty uh, percent of uh, Porto's goals, so they were out um, of the game, and, and it just looked like Porto were, were missing that cutting edge, and, and Chelsea were never really bothered, and, and, and they and, and Mount scored that nice goal, and then and then Chilwell. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't think it was like a, an amazing performance, but they they got the job done, got two goals, technically away because as we all know, the game was in Seville, um, and the, the away leg is in oh, Seville as well, yeah. so. Um, they're, they're playing on neutral grounds for both games, but that first leg was Porto's home leg, and Chelsea have a two-nil result, so it's pretty positive. How, stu- How stupid is it that they're playing a home leg and an away leg in the same place? Why don't they just say it's just a two-legged game, and in and both games are neutral and play no no away goals? Well, then it's sort of I don't know. I, I think it would probably like. It just sort of undermines the the, the entire tournament if you if you're having different different um, rules for different games. But um, that's probably another topic. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it, the the second leg, you know, we've seen Porto Porto score. You know, Oliveira's back in. He's really dangerous set pieces. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think the tie's over. But Chelsea are in a pretty good position. Uh, the 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 one thing to watch out for will be who Tuchel plays like. Is he going to do the sit back and let's counter them again and, and maybe play Timo Werner and 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 a few of the speedsters up front, or is he going to sort of um, try and play Giroud and, and maybe try and hold the ball a bit and, and sort of hurt them that way? It's, it's a real shame that um, this this doesn't have a home crowd at Stamford Bridge because you think oh like it's a bit of an easy game for for Timo Werner like uh, at home. 2-0 lead already. There's, there's not really much pressure on him. Um, it's going to be a game that Porto, you would expect, would have to come out and play. And so there's going to be plenty of counter-attacking opportunities. Yeah. 
he, he can just attack that channel between sort of the the right fullback and the the right uh, right sided centre back, and it, it's perfectly set up for him. But it's just, I guess, not quite right for him still. So it'd be very interesting to see if he does st- um, if uh, if he does stick with with Tuchel, if if he does stick with um, the, the the winning lineup, maybe yeah, uh, or, or or goes with Giroud, yeah. But mate, the look the big um, uh, fixture of the round really was the the Champions League final from last season's rematch, uh, which was uh, Bayern hosting PSG in in the, in the snow. How, how, yeah, cool, look, how good was it to see a snow game? I feel like we haven't seen many snow games this year. Like if, if maybe it's just hasn't been snowing much in England. Has it been snowing much in England? We've had a, a few days, a few days of snow. But, um, don't worry, I got the photos. <laughs> Mate, we'll have to put them up more than a game for uh, all the Australians that are just coming out of uh, just coming out of summer. Um, but uh, mate, pretty uh, a pretty incredible game because this this game was just played at a, like a freakish absolutely wild level. game. I wish this was this was like the final last year, but it was obviously being a final it was a bit tighter. But yeah, pretty pretty amazing result. Um, and and overall, I thought Bayern were pretty unlucky. They had so many chances and. And Mbappe was just too clinical. And Neuer, obviously, with the first goal, having a little bit of an error uh, as well. So That never uh, happens, does it? Yeah, I don't know. But um, <laughs> the Bayern were, 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 were pretty annoyed at the end of the game because of, because of the amount of chances they created. Muller, Alaba, Chupo, who, who did get a goal as well. Um, so and that, and man, that, it was only last week. It was only last week that we were talking about on the podcast about how uh, Trooper Moting has just like failed up and just continues to just defy the odds and have an amazing career despite played, being an incredibly well. average like, footballer. Yeah, he played pretty well. Uh, he was a constant goal threat, and if he just had a, a little bit, if he was just a little bit better, uh, you know, Bayern would have <laughs> Bayern would have probably got the, the draw. And obviously, if Lewandowski Wait, was playing, Lewandowski so, was so, playing. Like I'm a constant goal threat if I'm playing up front for for Bayern. But yeah. and and the other thing is if you're saying if he was a better footballer, then Bayern would have won, which is yes. like you're pretty much agreeing with me, but you don't realise it. True, true. <laughs> all I'm all I'm saying is, uh, yeah, PSG would pretty would be feeling pretty lucky with that result, and and Mbappe's just just devastating when he when he gets going. So Bayern right. would want to are... learn how to defend a little bit deeper. I would have thought. There were a couple of things, I guess. Um, Mbappe was just on fire in this game as well. But but Navas, he had a, just an incredible match. There, I think he had like three, four, five saves, maybe even six, where you thought, oh, yeah, they're in here. They're, they're probably going to convert here. And and maybe that's the difference is that without Lewandowski, they, they've got Chirper Moding. And maybe Lewandowski does finish at least one of those and, yeah. and it does sort of ch- uh, alter the, the game and the dynamic of the game dramatically. Um, but Correct still, me if I'm I mean, wrong. I, I don't think he's, he's going to be back for the second leg. So they, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do it with, um, with, with the Chupo. That, that would be really interesting if it's – I can't remember which side of the draw um, this this sets up for, but um, I, I think um, a, a final of City versus PSG has just got to be the final that no one wants to see, though. I'm not sure if um, – they they can potentially play each other in the um the the final or the or the semis though. That pretty much wraps things up for Champions League and Premier League. Next up, A League with Shannon.
delivers. And good. And the big man in the middle for City. Should be Glovers here. Little fumble left it behind. Oh, what a clearance. A double clearance. And in is a no. Oh, my word. It's one of the most amazing scenes we've ever seen. In the end, it's a, it's goal, a goal, is it? I've given a goal. The assistant has given a goal for the ball crossing the line earlier. Costa Barbarousas, 1-0 Sydney FC. Makes sense of it all. Well, Robbie Slater. Well, I, obviously, he's a judge that the defender that blocks Barbarousas' volley is behind the line. That's all you can see. But the extraordinary events that unfolded afterwards. Now, it's a regulation take for Tom Glover. He's a bit unlucky, isn't he? Caruccio. It's the perfect position, but he wouldn't have even known he was behind the line. Curtis, Hello, good. everyone. My name's Tommy C. Uh, I'm here with Shannon now. We're going to be talking Australian football, uh, Matildas, W League and A League now. So, uh, Shannon, welcome back to the pod again. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me back. Uh, mate, so uh, plenty of Australian football, generally speaking, to cover today on the pod. Um Let's start with the the Matildas, shall we? They they played their first game in I think it was almost four hundred days, um, obviously due to COVID and uh, the fact that I guess a lot of the girls now are overseas and uh, and that I guess they're split between overseas and the W League now. But uh, mate, how excited for this were you? I was really excited. I think I um, annoyed my girlfriend a little bit because she had a long <laughs> shift at work. She was very tired, and I was just you know excitedly full of energy around the house at that time of night, just talking talking for like an hour about the Matildas players. So, yeah, <laughs> I was pretty pumped for this one. Um, mate, I, I hear you. And there were a lot of people, I think, on social media that were sort of uh, in a similar vein as well, lots of people that were excited. Um, but it, it turned out to be a, a little bit of a, um, a, a false dawn, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it certainly showed that it was the first match in about 400, game, 400 days, that's for sure. I, I've got to say, it almost felt like 400 years because um, the, the girls looked pretty rusty, I thought. Yeah. Um, if, if anything, and probably the, the ultimate insult I think that I can give uh, to the Matildas in this game was that it reminded me a lot of a, um, a sort of a, a mid-2000 Socceroos um uh, game in the sense that everyone was really excited. We haven't seen them play for ages, um, and we were really enthusiastic. weren't Maybe we're a little bit naive in sort of what we're expecting from performance, and then they rocked up uh, and pretty much. Um, I would say they got outclassed, though. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it was one of those things that. Um, where us as football fans, we hadn't had international football in so long. We sort of forgot, you know, the fact that this is a Matilda squad who hasn't been together for that long, facing a very good Germany side. Who, you know, they've played all these games while the Matildas have been off due to COVID. And it was kind of naivety just because we were so excited for it. And yeah, we were outclassed, but there are some positives, I guess, we can take from the match. Um, there was three debuts and the scoreboard ended up working um, later <laughs> on in the match, so that's a positive. That was really jarring when all of a sudden there was a scoreboard. It was like, hey, I, I just realized that there wasn't one before. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange too because um, I don't know if it was on ABC as well, but with Fox Sports, they put um, 
Jer W versus Oz. So everyone was oh, making shoot. jokes about Germany. <laughs> I just assumed it was like German women's team, but you're right. It was uh, it was strange. Um, you mentioned uh, there there were some positives to come out of the game. Other than the three debutants, was there were there other positives that you drew? Um, it was good to see Emma Checker get on. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, Emily Jilnick got two late goals, which, you know, the game was already wrapped up by the time she scored the goals. But a player coming off the bench getting a brace in international football isn't anything to be sniffed at. Um, totally agree about that. that last point because, like, friendlies are all about performances and, and getting minutes together and, and that kind of thing. So I think um, she's really uh, put her put a taking a big step forward, I guess, for, for her chances as well in the in the next few Matildas games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I know this coach, Gustafsson, it's his first match, and some people were saying he was a bit critical of the level of quality in the W League. But the fact that, um, you know, the players who ended up contributing to goals were all W League players. They got assists from W League players, um, goals both from a W League player. It might make him rethink you know, his opinion of the W League. So that's a positive. Yeah, I mean, we've heard this in the past about, what is it, 10, 12 years ago with the Socceroos as well. And I just hope we're not going to now have a repeat of that that whole debate about whether or not the W League's good or whether it's not good um, by our national team coach sort of play out in, in the media because that was really tiresome 10 years ago. And I think no one's really, no one really wants to go through that again. Um I think if there was one thing that stood out for me, and I, I didn't catch this until quite late on, was that um, since we've last played um, our, since the Matildas have last played their match, uh, a match, the German side have played eight games. And I think once I saw that stat, then all of a sudden a lot of things sort of started to fit together. And I, I felt like I understood the context of this match a hell of a lot more and the result of this match a hell of a lot more. Um Mate, was there anything else that really stood out to you, positive or negative? Well, um, I'll just say full credit to the German side. You know, taking away the fact that I was obviously going for the Matildas, when I started to focus on the way Germany were playing more so than the way the Matildas were playing, they were an absolute joy to watch. David Bush was moving the ball quickly. Their attack was brilliant. It was very unpredictable. I did feel a bit sorry for Hayley Razo, who, you know, she's probably one of my favourite players, male or female. Ribbons, stuck at yeah. right back. Stuck at right back. Um, she's one of the most exciting attacking players you'd ever see on the pitch. An absolute joy to watch. And I felt bad for her because all the attack from Germany was going down that side during the first half. And it was pretty lucky that, at, you know, we ended up losing 5-2, but at halftime it was only 1-0. So, yeah, I did feel a bit sorry for her, but the German team were very, very good to watch from a football point of view. I agree, mate. That um, I can't remember her name, but the the young lady who came on, I think it was on um, uh, she was a debutante that came on, um, and played on sort of like high on the left, and she just absolutely tore us to shreds. She was tall and good on the ball and quick, and it was just no one could get near her. It was it was pretty impressive to watch, and you thought, wow, like um, that's sort of the next German generation that's about to come through, and um. You just wonder, I guess, um, if if this if the Matildas are able to be able to keep up with, um, I guess, these elite teams in the next five to ten years. So, fingers crossed for that. Of course, yeah, um, the Matildas. Play. Of course, the Matildas are going to be playing. Uh, hopefully, at the uh, assuming it goes ahead at the uh, the Olympics later this year. So, um, I guess 
I would hope that the Matildas are going to have more games coming up in the in the next few weeks and months as well. So um, hopefully we'll be able to see the girls again soon and they'll be able to put some good performances together um, in the lead up to hopefully taking home a medal in Tokyo. Um, anyway, mate, before we get into some A-League, um, there's, a, there's a pretty big game on in the W-League today, isn't there? Yes, the grand final, um, Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory, the big blue. You always love to see it. Um, usually people prefer first and second on the ladder in a grand final. But the way Melbourne Victory has been playing, even though they finished third in the W League, you know, I'm very excited to see them play against Sydney FC today. Well, and I think like everyone likes to see, uh, like you say, that big rivalry, rivalry between City and Melbourne Victory. Um, we know that it's going to be spicy, and it being in a grand final as well, um, I think we'll we'll just add a little bit of extra spice to this match as well. Um, City finished first on the ladder. Melbourne Victory finished third. Um, who, who's your pick for uh, for who's going to take out the uh, the big prize today? Um, I'm going to say Melbourne Victory. I know Sydney FC have been pretty dominant all season and for a couple of years in the W League. But Melbourne Melbourne Victory have hit form at the right time and the way they're playing is just, you know, it would take a very good performance by Sydney FC to stop them, in my opinion. Get a score prediction from you, mate? Uh, ooh, I'm always bad at score predict- predictions. I'm going to say 3-1. Um, Kira Cooney Cross is going to get man of woman of the match, player of the match, whatever you want to call it, because she's <laughs> she's by far the best player in the W League in my opinion. Ooh, big call. Hopefully, um, she can uh, put a best foot forward in the grand final, and uh, I guess uh, Tony Gustav, Gustav, use your words, Tony Gustavson, uh, he will be watching as well. So it'll be an opportunity for her to, to really put herself in the in the shot front window for, uh, I guess, not just an overseas uh, contract, but uh, also for the Olympics too. Um, all righty, uh, let's cut to some A-League now. So uh, five matches have been played uh, in this round and also at the, the tail end of midweek uh, of last week's round. Uh, we'll start with the game from midweek, though. Sydney hosted Perth um, in what arguably could have been seen as a seemingly straightforward 1-0 win for Sydney. Um, it did boil over into something far stranger. Um, a tidy goal from Costa Barbarousas was just the prelude to light failure um, and early showers for the players, except for those who needed to stay on the pitch uh, in the lightning to do press duties. Um, of course, that was also followed by Richie Garcia's presser. That presser has got to be one of uh, probably the all-time great A-League press conferences, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and he had a point too. Um, there was about two, three minutes left of the match and I'd be filthy if they called the match off because of player welfare, and then they had the same players stand on the same pitch, do interviews. It was just a bit bizarre. Well, and, and he's hundred percent right. Like I, I don't know why they. I mean, um, I guess on reflection, I don't know why they do the press conferences on the pitch. Is, is it because of I guess like a lack of facilities, or, or what is it? <laughs> I guess more so convenience. But you know, when you've got a thunderstorm, um, heavy rains, player talking about player welfare because of the risk of getting hit by lightning, surely you can just move them, you know, under the under the covers or somewhere more safe. Well, I can't remember the last time there's been a game and at the end of the match, it's been absolutely bucketing down with rain. But 
I think what do they do? Do they just get out the umbrellas or something? Or can you can you remember something like that happening recently? Uh, not recently, but I remember a game where it got flash flooded, I think twenty thirteen, <laughs> Brisbane Raw versus um Wellington Phoenix. Nick Meredith was archives. a sideline reporter. And yeah. he took his shoes off, he had his pants rolled up, he had the umbrellas <laughs> going, he was standing in a puddle of water. And that's just stuff you love to see as a fan, you know, the shit house react <laughs> the A League. Yeah, I think lots of people would love to just see Nick Meredith just soaking wet, standing in the rain. <laughs> oh, mate. Um, it was, a, I guess, in terms of the result, though, um, the result did leave. Uh, it was another three points for Sydney who continued their charge up the ladder, but also another disappointing result for Perth as well as they continue to, I guess, sort of flounder outside of the, the top six. Um, MacArthur, they hosted Brisbane on Saturday, uh, Christian on Friday um, as part of the uh, the first uh, game of this week's round. Uh, the McBulls uh, hope to strengthen their grip on second spot. Um, but it was a bit of a case of they they just kind of choked really, didn't they? they? They didn't really show up at all. Yeah, they really struggled to deal with uh, Brisbane's pace in my opinion. And just their passing in the in the first half in particular, it was just... You know, they kept past. I don't know how many times they gave away possession, but it would have been a lot. It was very frustrating to watch from a neutral point of view because I'm not a fan of either team. Just trying to wait for a passage of play to happen, it would start to build up. Both teams would get one or two passes, just give it away. So Brisbane probably could have had five or six in the first half alone. Well, yeah, I mean, particularly Dylan Wenzel Hall, he could have had a hat-trick in this game and, and probably would be disappointed that he didn't end up uh, with a hat-trick because I, I thought he was getting into great positions and arguably, I think, of the three clear-cut chances that he did have, he probably scored the hardest one, which was um, beating Federici from distance early on. Yeah, um, I was watching this one with my girlfriend and I was trying to... There was one where he missed at one-on-one and I was trying to explain to her... You know, I was probably trying to defend Dylan Wenzelhalls for missing that one, saying a lot of the times when they have more time to think, they generally miss it worse. But then she asked, was me, this the one? Keep she asked me, would a player miss that one in like a World Cup or a Premier League? And I said yes, but in my heart I knew, you know, that was just very poor quality by Dylan Wenzelhalls there. <laughs> But but I think um, from memory that was the one where he tried to dink it over um, the advancing Federici. Is that the one we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, like, yeah, he's put that. I think he put it over, didn't he, from memory? Yeah. And it, and it's a it's a skill that's more difficult than it seems um, because you've you've got the keeper rushing out, so you've got to get it over the keeper, and that's what most players are trying to focus on. Um, but then you've got to make sure that it comes down in time to go in the goal, which um, that requires, I guess, a lot of, um, uh, what would you call it, uh, requires a lot of skill and a lot of patience, a lot of calmness to be able to to get it up and down while you're running at full speed um, and uh, to, to beat the goalkeeper as well. So um, I, I actually agree with you. I think that, yeah, that Dylan Wenzel Hall, whilst um, that was the hardest hardest one to um, to get, that was uh, still still a pretty tricky one. Yeah. Um, mate, uh, Michael uh, Sasueta also was missing for the Bulls from this one as well. Is it a case of no, no Sasueta, no party for, for the Bulls? Well, it's seeming that way because I think every time he's not been in the squad, they have played absolutely poorly, which 
you wouldn't think a wide player would make that much of a difference to the squad. You'd think it would be more those central players. But they just can't seem to control the tempo and the pace of the game without him on the ball, which, you know, that's very bizarre from a football point of view, in my opinion. Well, it's even interesting that you described him as a wide play because he pretty much plays wherever he wants. Like he plays, out, he'll, he'll sometimes pop up out wide. Sometimes he'll he'll dribble through the middle. Sometimes sometimes he'll receive the ball next to um, uh, Benyat uh, in the middle and quite deep. And you sort of think he, he's just got complete sort of free license to to run pretty much wherever he wants, which is actually pretty interesting because I think at City uh, last year they they really tried to use him as pretty much an out-and-out winger sort of uh, opposite uh, Craig Noon and it didn't really work particularly well. Um, and I think this is working really well for Satsueta. You can see that he's obviously got a lot of responsibility um, and he's very important to that team because, like you say, he, he's really important at setting the tempo and um, it's great to watch a, a great footballer being used properly. Speaking of great to watch and a great footballer, Riku Danzaki, every match he just keeps, seems to get better and better. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the A-League's getting quite a big Japanese following because of Riku. Um, there's people on YouTube who put up, I don't know how they do it, they put up clips that get 50, 60, 70,000 views where <laughs> they've just clipped every touch he's done during the match. So mm-hmm. he's definitely a player to watch for the future. Brisbane Raw can yeah. get him, you know, two, three seasons on a loan. I think they'll get a lot of a lot of good fans from Japan. That is a great point, and I guess in in the um, there's a there's a couple of uh, young Japanese players that have come into the league this year and are all doing really well. But but that's I guess an, an overlooked part about the um, the broadcast rights discussion is the value that we're potentially getting from overseas as well. And um, if we're able to get if the league broadly speaking is able to to get a little bit of a financial boost from from the likes of Japan, it could actually be really beneficial to the league. And and you spread that over the world it, it starts to make sort of um the the performance of the local uh, uh broadcast deal to be actually not as important as we're kind of making it out to be we're comparing sort of the domestic rights uh price uh for the a-league versus nrl and, and uh, afl but let's not forget that those leagues aren't broadcast anywhere else outside of australia so um it, it's another i guess uh, another feather feather in the bow of the the a league um the fact that it is the world game and it does have the ability to tap into a whole bunch of markets that the other leagues can't necessarily do um all righty mate um let's move on though so to uh the uh, the first game of our triple header uh, was Newcastle versus uh, the Victory. Um, Victory uh, got the two-one win here up at Newcastle. Uh, they leapt from twelfth up to twelfth on goal difference um, with the win. Um, Victory actually showed pretty good heart, pun intended, to come back from one 0 down in this one, didn't they? Yeah, I thought they showed very good team spirit, particularly getting outplayed in the first half. Um, by Newcastle. Newcastle realistically should have had a couple and put the game to bed, but it was still 1-0. They come out the second half and they were a completely different team. Took advantage of the fact that it was only 1-0. Somehow ended up winning the match. But, but they all count though, don't they? Like uh, even mm-hmm. even, dud, uh, even dud goals. But uh, you're right. I, I thought it was it was 
it was reminiscent, I guess, a little bit of uh, Manchester United in the Premier League in the sense that um, victory were terrible in the first half, completely outplayed, like you said. And then in the second half, they they came out a different side and um, they brought, brought on some younger players um, and they just managed to get the win um, despite the fact that they only really played well for probably 30, 40 um, minutes of the game. But look, uh, that's probably something that Victory haven't had um, this season is the ability to, I guess, find find key moments, make the most of them, and I guess convert that into points and and, and turn it into wins as well. Um, a stat for you though: uh, Newcastle have played sixteen this season. They've lost eleven, um, and it's the seventh two-one loss of the season. Uh, are the Jets the Sheffield United of the A League? Well, yeah, based on that, <laughs> I think they would have to be. It was strange because, like like you said, they, they were quite good in the first half. They created good chances. They couldn't convert them, and it ended up really hurting them. And ultimately, I guess it came down to the fact that they, they couldn't convert their good chances and, and, and turn that into, I guess, a, a more sizable lead. would be really yeah. disappointing for the for Jets fans. Yeah, it must be very, not just frustrating, but depressing being a Jets fan because... When when I watch the Jets, I can see that there's something there. Well, it's not quite there, but it looks like it's almost there. But They're right the past, on the cusp, aren't they? The past seven or eight weeks, I think they've lost seven in a row now. It's just been almost there, almost there, almost there. And you'd almost rather lose, you know, by 4-0 than have these 2-1 losses that gives you that little bit of hope where you're just thinking, you know, we're almost there, just another step away because... You know, you don't want to end up finishing with the wooden spoon being that team that's almost, you know, good enough to get those wins and draws. It does remind me a little bit of um, Central Coast, say, last year, where you were sort of thinking, oh, they're, they're right on the cusp of of turning a lot of these um, close losses into draws. And if you start turning close losses into draws, you start turning draws into wins, you, you can see well, Central Coast have demonstrated this year how quickly uh, you can go from being the at least mathematically worst team in the league to uh, being in finals contention or even in the top two, I guess, the Central Coast are going this season. So um, I guess hopefully Jets fans aren't uh, completely heartbroken by by this situation and they're able to, to see, I guess, um, that things can turn around in the future as um, have turned around for the Jets this year. Um, one source of frustration for victory fans, though, has been, I guess, the performance of their, um, of their imports this season. Um, Butterfield, I think, has been pretty average. Uh, it's probably pretty generous to to say that. But um, but Falami, how did what did you think of um, of his performance in this game? I thought he was a lot better than what he's shown in previous weeks. But his fitness doesn't seem to be quite there yet, which is a bit strange because um, I don't, I don't know if he's had too much injury worries. But he's a young player. And he's just, you know, whenever, whenever it comes to the 50, 60 minute mark, which is very early in a match, if he starts, he just looks like he's run out of legs already. Reminds me a lot of Tom Rogic, obviously not up to the same skill level as Tom Rogic, but <laughs> fitness wise. Do you think that's a fitness thing or an attitude thing? Because he, he just seemed completely uninterested in, in doing a lot of defensive work. Yeah, it's very frustrating because like a player like him, as as exciting as he looks when he gets on the ball, you know, you've got you're a part of a team. You've got to go back and defend, especially when your team's having the troubles of what Melbourne Victory's having. You know, you look at a team like Central Coast Mariners, for example, 
the difference between them and a Melbourne victory is when a team's attacking them, you'll see a player like Matt Simon back in the box blocking a goal. You'll see, you know, all these wide players, Alu Kowal running back like 30, 40 metres to try and defend. But with victory, it seems like a lot of their forward players and even midfield players, when the ball gets by them, they've just got their heads down and they're just like, you know, not my problem. Good luck, defenders. Good luck, goalkeeper. I think that's the difference between a team that's first on the ladder and a team that's, you know, 11th or 12th. We've seen that in previous years where even a world-class talent such as Del Piero or something like that comes into the A-League and if if you're constantly defending with 10 players because your 11th player thinks that they're above uh, tracking back or or pressing, then it makes it really, really difficult. And I think... um, Sydney FC, for example, when they had Del Piero, I don't think they made the finals in either year or, or they maybe just scraped into the six. So um, an indication of, uh, I guess, it, it might put uh, extra bums on seats, but it's not necessarily a recipe for success on the pitch. Um, the uh, the main course of Saturday's triple header uh, served up a really tight, high-quality context between two teams in good form, though. Um, there was Sydney versus Melbourne City. Um, Costa Barbarossa scored his second in just a few days to open the scoring. Uh, Curtis Good was unable to clear the ball whilst he was behind the goal line. Um, seeing that, I think that was the second time that's happened this season. I can't remember if it was the A League or the Premier League, but how frustrating was that for for you as a, I guess, as a um, as someone watching this game? Yeah, it it was very frustrating. Uh, not so much to the goal that happened it was the fact that it took so long to decide whether or not it was a goal and I was just wondering what was happening because it was clear well clear to me at least that the ball went over the line and then I was thinking maybe they're looking at a possible foul on Glover then I watched a replay once and you know it was clear that he'd he'd made a mistake and he dropped the ball so why it took four or five minutes to even decide whether or not that was a goal was a bit frustrating for me. I, I don't know if any other fans would agree with that. Yeah, you're right. And this was, uh, I guess this was a pretty wild few minutes of, uh, well, there was sort of 15 to 20 seconds where the ball just absolutely pinballed around the, the city penalty area. Um, but then it wasn't clear if it had gone over the line or not. And of course, in the A-League, we don't have goal line technology either. We've We've got VAR, but no goal line technology. So it was... Uh, it was a pretty, I guess, annoying and confusing um, few minutes there whilst, like you say, they were reviewing if there was a foul. And it, it wasn't even particularly obvious or, or clear, I should say, um, whether or not the ball had actually crossed the line. I'm, I thought for a moment we might have seen a repeat of um, of Robbie Slater getting out there with the ball and, and saying how the ball was obviously had obviously crossed the line because of some dodgy camera angle that, um, that Fox are giving us. But... Um, I think I'm pretty certain it was a goal, but um, I guess we just can't be sure. I guess whilst there's no goal line technology and there's only one terrible camera angle, um, I've got to say though, out of all of the the uh, video or uh, I guess technology that they've brought into football, goal line technology is just the simplest one that is probably the most obvious one um, and the most successful one um, that's been implemented, and yet we don't have it in the A League, and instead we've got a severely, um, uh, I guess, undermined VAR by the fact that we've got so few camera angles. So we've kind of got the worst of both worlds at the moment as far as technology in the A-League and refereeing. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, City did push and and they probed and they 
did, I've got to say, they looked unlikely to equalise. Um, however, it was ex-Sydney youth product Marco Tilio who won the penalty for Jamie McLaren to score an equalise deep in injury time. Mate, Marco Tilio has been incredible when he's been given an opportunity for City. Um, do you think that uh, he's surely got to be knocking on the first-team door now for, for City or do you think he needs to buy, continue to bide his time? Well, here's the thing about City. They've got such good talented wide players. I know Tilio can play either wing or even in the middle of the park. But would you say he's better than Noon, you know, Naboo, even McLaren? It's tough to say because we only see him for these little short snippets when defenders are tired and he looks he looks electric. But I don't see what City have to lose if they want to rest Andrew Naboo for a game and give Tilio a bit of a run because rather than just you know, asking these questions, is he good enough to start and play um, first-team football? Chuck him in there, have a go, see what he's made of. Because every time he's been off the bench, he's he's absolutely brought an X-factor to the game and he turned the game on, his head, on, on its head against Sydney FC. But I will say that was a bit silly from someone as experienced as Alex Wilkinson to dive in like that with seconds left in the game. It reminded me a bit of Lucas Neal versus Germany, uh, <laughs> not Germany. Italy, 2006. Mate, you've just triggered probably three quarters of our listeners with that comment. Well, it, it was a penalty <laughs> in both instances. Oh, mate, I think, right? mate, uh, for the for the three quarters of the listeners that were triggered before, now they've just switched off, I think. <laughs> I'll just um, turn notifications on my phone off for about a week. <laughs> Yeah, um, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that uh, Shannon's on uh, Facebook and Twitter if you want to uh, let him know that you don't think that was a penalty either on Saturday or in the World Cup 15 years ago. <laughs> um, but, mate, yeah, pretty uh, pretty good shout, I think. Uh, Alex Wilkinson, obviously one of the most experienced and um, successful defenders in the A-League. Yeah, he, he probably should have done better there considering, I guess, the timing as well um, in the match. But... Um, yeah, wow. Uh, Robbie Slater uh, did actually point out one interesting thing about this game. I can't remember who he was talking about, but he, he threw out the uh, the expression, form is temporary, class is eternal. Is class eternal or is it permanent to you? I always heard the saying, is form is temporary, class is permanent, but maybe that's because I played the FIFA video games too much and that's one of the they they only have a couple of um sound bites they use over and over again. That's <laughs> one of the ones they use. But yeah, I've never heard it said that way before. Me either. And even uh, I mean, I'm I'm not Speedy's biggest fan, but Speedy uh, also jumped in to say that he thought it was permanent. And so I've got to say, uh, Speedy, uh, sorry, Robbie, uh, you're wrong. So um, it definitely is permanent. So I, I don't think uh, if if anyone thinks that it is uh, eternal, then please jump into our mentions or uh, add us on uh, Facebook or Twitter and let us know that you think uh, Robbie was right. You'll just get 20 notifications from Robbie Slater soft puppet accounts telling you he's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, probably. Um, Finally, the third of the triple header served up a real sweet treat. Uh, Two goals, two red cards, but I've got to say it was probably a bit of finish for Western Sydney, who will feel that Bernie Beanie should have won the game for them deep in injury time. Uh, Pretty interesting match this one, really, wasn't it? 
Yeah, as you said, two red cards, a couple of goals apiece. Um, it was pretty end-to-end football at times, but there was also times where Wanderers dominated, there was times where Adelaide dominated. And Adelaide had a sending off right on the cusp of half-time. And when you when um, they come back for the second half, you wouldn't have even noticed they were down a man. They were just playing that well. Adelaide just continue to surprise, really, don't they? And they've been, I guess, the biggest, well, probably the second biggest surprise of the season with Central Coast's resurgence. But I remember watching Adelaide in, I think it was round two or even round one, and they were terrible against Sydney. And I remember just thinking, oh, this this young Adelaide team, they're just going to get spanked this year and, geez, it's going to be a tough year for them. But they've, they've really just, um, they're a really uh, solid, close team and um, they're really, really good to watch too. Um, look, I think uh, both of the the red cards were were for teenagers. I think Lou Dorigo is still a teenager. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, I thought he was uh, 21, but I might be wrong. Uh, there you go. He's still very young, anyway. But uh, Lou Dorigo, he he got sent off for a second yellow card. And which of the two uh, red cards do you think was more avoidable? Definitely Mark Natter's. Um, that was it. Really showed his inexperience. Um. That was just one of those ones where he probably shouldn't have even gave Mork that chance to get the touch around him. And then at that time, you'll back yourself to, you know, chase Mork, get him, get a block in, back your goalkeeper, but he just took him down blatantly. Yeah, that really showed his inexperience. And there's been talks of Western Sydney Wanderers getting rid of Pass Murakutis to Newcastle Jets. But mm. he showed when he come on as a sub after this happened, he showed that he's the far better defender. He's just had absolute composure on the ball, defended well, passed well, and you know I don't know if they're going to continue going with Mark Nada over Mordecudis in the future. It's it's always really hard to tell with central defenders when they're so young. Like obviously Nada's Nada's young, he's inexperienced. He's he's shown that he could have quality, but he's made a couple of big mistakes in the last few weeks. So um, maybe maybe some time out of the squad, uh, some enforced time out might actually be a good thing for him at this point to sort of regain a little bit of composure and um, and the like. But uh, yeah, I guess I think this is a, a result that I think both teams would have been disappointed with, to be honest. Um, mate, still three matches to be played. Uh, Wellington are going to be playing Western United. Who's your pick for uh, for the, the winner in that one? Ooh, that's one of those games where, you know, I could go either way on that one, but I'm going to go with Wellington just more so because I hope that Wellington put in a couple of good performances and really make that battle for the top six interesting based on nothing else, just Wellington. No, I think you you could be onto something there, and I guess it depends. I guess for Western United, how uh, on the fitness of uh, Diamante, like he he showed last week that he only needs about thirty minutes to really turn a game on its head. So, um, yeah, they'll be they'll be sweating on his uh, fitness that he'll be able to start and and play a full ninety minutes. And uh, if not, you know, Western United might be better off for just to play him off the bench for the for the second half against some tiring legs. Yeah, um, well, the Newcastle. Sorry. Sorry, mate. Um, they've brought in some younger players to kind of try and fill that void when Diamante's been off. And Luke Duzel in particular has been doing, you know, not as good as Diamante, obviously, but he's been doing a really good <laughs> job. So Diamante off the bench for the rest of the season might be, you know, the bet because he doesn't have the legs for the 90. Oh, mate, it doesn't matter. Even if uh, Diamante's not playing, they've still got Lockie Wales. Yeah. 
the greatest of all time. <laughs> He's uh, currently the best shit player in the A-League, I've got to say. <laughs> well, um, there was jokes last time I was on more than a game about Lockie Wales and Ever since then, I think he scored two goals, got a couple of assists. So, you know, as long as we keep um, being not super friendly towards Lockie Wales, he'll keep keep up the form and he might end up with a golden boot and the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> Johnny Warren medal inbound for Lockie Wales. Um, Newcastle are also hosting uh, Perth after hosting Melbourne Victory earlier this week. Um, what's your pick for Newcastle versus Perth? Um, I'm going to go with a draw. I think Newcastle are going to put out a better performance. Um, Stematolopoulos was really well, really good last match. Um, some of the younger players were really good last match, but I just can't see them getting past glory. I think one all draw. Uh, I actually, um, I'm thinking this one could be a bit of a goal fest because neither team can defend to save their lives and, and both are actually decent going forward so um i reckon we could see maybe three goals a piece or, or something like that in this one so might turn out to be a good game to watch well, well that would be more exciting than a one-all <laughs> um and finally adelaide are hosting macarthur in i guess two two teams that started out the season really well um but have sort of faded in in recent weeks um what's your what's your pick in this one just quickly on Adelaide, um, I do want to correct myself. I did look it up. Louis Dorigo is still 19. Don't know where I got 21 uh, from. I was so, right. Thank you. Um, but I, I really, I really can't see MacArthur getting past Adelaide in this one. Um, I might be wrong. I might end up looking like a clown and MacArthur beat him four five nil. But I just can't see MacArthur getting past Adelaide. The way Adelaide moved the ball. Very quick, very quick on the transition. And MacArthur have been caught out a lot um, this year when teams are exploiting their pace against them. Adelaide know how to exploit pace. 100%. MacArthur has shown that they're really good sort of when they get the ball under control and they try to dominate games. But um, you're right that they are very vulnerable on the counter-attack and on the transition. And, and that, that back three of, um, uh, I think it's Jovanovic, um Milligan, and I keep forgetting the third um, defender that they have back there. Shushnia, thank you. Um, the three of them are not quick. So uh, you can just imagine the likes of Ben Halloran and, and co that are just going to um, have an absolute field day against this MacArthur back line. Um, mate, score prediction? Uh, let's say 4-0. 4-0. Oof. Not going to be a fun day for the Bulls. Um, bulls to the slaughter, if it were. Um, alrighty, uh, we still have uh, M, uh, more than a game survivor tipping going on. Uh, we're yet to have a winner. Uh, Maddie Olsen and HSN on uh, from Twitter are both exhausted. This is survivor tipping in every sense of the word. Um, last few weeks we've been unable to split the two, and so we've just been replaying it each week. Um, this week, Matty Olsen has jumped out to an early lead, um, but with uh, a couple of draws and no other successful winners, um, it means that Matt Olsen um, has currently got a lead going into the final three matches of the round. So um, good luck to those two, um, and hopefully we'll be able to get a winner so that we can uh, wrap up this round of survivor tipping. But uh, good luck to both of them. Other than that, that's uh, all we've got in terms of A-League, uh, W-League and Matildas for today. So uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Shannon, great to have you on the pod once again. 
Um, until next time, though. Mm-hmm.